Good morning. Thank you so much for that warm, warm welcome. You guys are awesome. I have so much fun worshiping with you all. So I want to first of all say hello to everybody online. And also, I want to thank you all for the honor of sharing what God put on my heart this morning. I want to thank Mitchell for a great communion message and worship team. Thank you also for that incredible time of worship. And congratulations to all of our students. It's always good to be advancing, and I just bless you in the next chapter of your life. So today we do celebrate Pentecost, and that is the birth of the church. Um, it's 50 days, as Bobby mentioned, after Jesus resurrected, and then 10 days after he ascended, which Nick shared more about that last week. If you haven't gotten to check that one out, it's pretty good. So this is the day that those in the upper room were waiting for the helper that Jesus promised would come in his place. They experienced transformation power that took them from disciples to evangelists and church planters. And so Mitchell talked a little bit about that, how Peter went from denying Jesus to actually, you know, having his shadow heal people. So this is kind of a special day. And then signs and wonders followed all the disciples and they preached the, preached the gospel and advanced the kingdom to the glory of God. So what I'm going to unpack for you this morning um, is a lot of information with a short time to share it. So if you guys wouldn't mind just buckling your seatbelts, I'm about to hit the gas and we're going to go real fast through this. Uh, so hang tight and just rock and roll with me, okay? Here we go. All right, so we're on. In Acts 2, 17 through 21, um, Peter explains what they experienced was actually what the prophet Joel had spoken of way prior in the Old Testament. So he says, it came to pass that in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, it's important to note that this outpouring of the Spirit didn't just happen. Much preparation and intentional design from our Father who created the world and everything in it with the Son and Holy Spirit manifested it. So let's go all the way back to the beginning and follow along while I paint an analogy from creation that patterns how we become born again and filled with the Holy Spirit through Jesus. Will that be okay if we have a little fun adventure together? I'm excited. It's fun. All right. So Genesis 1, 1, 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and an empty waste, and darkness was upon the face of the great deep. The Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. So before we know Jesus, we are dead in our sins, 
and our life is waste and we walk in darkness. Yet the Spirit of God is moving over the water. So there's hope. Now somewhere in between day two and three, man is actually created. So sometimes we read the first chapter of Genesis and then we read through all seven days of creation and then we get into chapter two where it talks about Adam being formed of the earth and we think, oh, that happened after. But actually, if we go back, we find out it's between, somewhere between day two and three. So in Genesis 2, 5 through 7, it says that no plant of the field was yet in the earth and no herb of the field had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was no man to till the ground. But there went up a mist, fog, vapor from the land and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So the same chemical elements that are found in man are the same that are in soil. And so quick side note here, by God's design, earth started from two molecules from the wreckage of the collision of two stars. So we're actually made of stardust. But let's not miss this, though. A vapor watered the dirt. Then man was formed from the dirt. We are actually infused with water. Two-thirds of our body's water is found in our intercellular fluid compartments within our cells. And the other third is found in the extracellular fluid found in blood and plasma. So there we see Christ's body and his blood combined with water. So, on average, adult men are comprised of 60% water and women are 50% water. Fat has a lower percentage of water than muscles. So, let's get strong, get rid of the fat, no more gluttony, okay? So if you see on the slide here, our brain and our kidneys just happen to be the most highest percentage of water of all the other organs. Now when God breathed into man the breath of the spirit of life, that is man receiving Holy Spirit from the beginning as God intended. But then we know what happens, that man chooses death by eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so then the Holy Spirit's no longer dwelling with man. Then you start to see the Holy Spirit still in operation, like Holy Spirit just doesn't like pack up and leave, leave, but it's not dwelling within us anymore because we chose death. And how could the spirit of life be present with death? So you see the Holy Spirit influencing people and sometimes residing in those most faithful to the Father, um, his most faithful servants throughout Bible history. And then, when Jesus comes on the scene, we start to see a whole lot more of the Holy Spirit. So Mary gets told by the angel that she would become the mother of our Savior. And in Luke 1.35, the scripture says that the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, Son of God. 
Can you imagine what that must have been like for her to hear the Son of God would be created in similar fashion to Adam, only this time it's her flesh, her blood, and the water of her womb? Water. <laughs> then we see John the Baptist, and he's baptizing people in water. But he's called, talking about the baptism of repentance here in preparation for the coming of Jesus. He implores many to repent so that he can baptize us into something greater. So the reason I say into something greater is because actually in Hebraic tradition, baptism could also be used for priests to be baptized into their future. Baptism isn't just a little washing. We're cleansed and purified so that we can move forward. In Matthew 3.11, um, the scripture reads that uh, John is saying, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. We'll see in a moment that um, Jesus gave the disciples the Holy Spirit before he ascended, and then the fire is what really fell on Pentecost. But first, let's take a look at Jesus' baptism. So in Matthew 3.16, the scripture reads, When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened up to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So Jesus, in his goodness, shows us exactly how this works. This is all for the glory of God the Father. So of course we need to repent, and then we need to be at peace. The dove represents peace. The spirit then is alighting in him, and the father is saying, this is my son whom I'm well pleased really want you to hone in on the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. So the Holy Spirit of God comes from the Father when we repent and we have peace with truth. The truth that Jesus is the Son of God. And it pleases him. So then after Jesus receives the Holy Spirit, he goes off and faces off with Satan in the wilderness, and then his ministry just accelerates until he ascends and beyond. And once the Holy Spirit was upon him, he then had that supernatural ability to face Satan in the desert. He waited for that power just as he instructs the disciples to do the same. So along the way, though, Jesus starts talking about the Holy Spirit and how we must be born of the Spirit. So John 3, 5 through 8 reads that Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. So are you starting to see some of the correlations between water and the Holy Spirit? Okay. So this scripture really excites me because when our water is alive in the Holy Spirit, 
living water then flows out of our hearts. So John 7, 38 through 39 says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And Nick shared a lot last week about Jesus saying how important it was that he left so that we could get our helper, the Holy Spirit. So what we speak, we know flows out of our heart. So when we speak, there's a gas that comes out of our mouth. It's carbon dioxide. Now I cannot prove this, but I'd like to think that when we speak life that's infused with the Holy Spirit, we're not exhaling carbon dioxide. Because carbon is decay and death. I have a feeling that we might breathe a little differently than those who do not believe. At least I can be certain that in the unseen realm, the spirit is true and correct in saying that we speak life, right? So I know that in the spirit realm that's true. I'd love to prove it in the natural. I did go down a rabbit trail looking at carbon dioxide, but that would have been way too much. All right, so a couple more points to note. Eat of my flesh and drink of my blood are things that Christ had said, and both are infused with Holy Spirit water, and both are also made of natural water. So water was also poured out from Jesus' side on the cross, which I find it interesting. We just looked at, he showed them his hands and his side and said, you know, here, here comes the Spirit. So pouring out his Spirit is a representation of that. Okay, so let me try to show the comparison a little bit more. So your first birth is similar to the first Adam, general creation of mankind. But Jesus' birth was holy from the start, which that then makes a way for us to transform and be born again through Christ. Adam and you are created from two flesh molecules. Jesus was created from flesh and spirit. All three of these are placed in a womb of water, and all are flesh walking the earth, and all made of earth and water. But Adam chooses death. We are born of flesh unto death, but Jesus is born with the spirit of life unto eternal life. Mankind is a waste. Jesus performs many works releasing the kingdom of heaven on earth. And when we repent and believe that Jesus is the Son of God, then we have an opportunity to be born again into the Spirit. So for each of us, this can look a little different. So I'm going to share with you my story, not so that you can try to be like me, but so that you can hear an example, and also I'll release what happened for me so that it can maybe happen for you because there's power in that. So this started all the way back in 2009 in spring, and I was living my life just very fleshly, dealing with temptation, um, but I overall thought I was a good person, but I still had a lot of, you know, misery, honestly. Well, it was really sad. And so I reached out to Jesus from, from my closet floor in tears and said, I want to know you. 
And that's really key because I didn't say, Jesus, rescue me, or Jesus, if you're out there, show me a sign. What I said was, I want to know you. And if you do read through your scripture, you start to realize how important that piece is. It's about knowing him. So I had no idea that I was saying words that would be so pleasing to him, that he would be so quick to respond. And so I said, Jesus, I want to know you. And then a little bit after that, maybe a couple months went by, and one of our customers at the pizza shop, um, who always left really big tips, was like, you need to come to church. We have a guest speaker. You're going to love it. You should come. It's going to be a great time. I hadn't been to church very much in my lifetime, really. Um, I only went with my grandparents sometimes. Didn't have a real grid for that. So I had no interest in going. But this time was different. There was just something different, and I had to go. So I went, and I listened to the message. I don't know if you guys know Ron Phillips or not. Um, he would call himself a Bapticostal, um, kind of southern preacher guy. And he preached hellfire and damnation. And it was something else, because I was like, uh, glued to the edge of my seat though I don't necessarily recommend that for everybody but it worked for me that day <laughs> so that day at the end of the service he said you know all eyes closed and all heads bowed if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior you know come on up today's your day and I was thinking about what he was saying, and if you'd asked me, I would say, yeah, I, I'm a believer. Yeah, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. But then he said something that just was a little different, and he said, if you've never publicly confessed that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and the Son of God, then today's your day. And I was like, wait a second. Yeah, I haven't actually said that out loud in front of a group of people in a setting like this. So I was like, I need to go up there. And I nudged Nick. He went with me that day. And I was like, are you going up? <laughs> and he was like, no. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, well, I don't really want to do that by myself. You know, I don't, I don't want to do that. And then, again, me not being an avid churchgoer, I didn't know how this really worked. So Ron Phillips says, if there's just one more, I believe that there is just one more. There's just one more in this room. Don't miss this opportunity. Don't miss this opportunity. And then I couldn't take it anymore. I just about jumped out of my skin, and I jumped out of my chair, and I ran towards the front. I said a prayer with all the other people who were already up there, and that was a big shift in my life. Um, going, you know, and, you know, I have to say that church people are kind of funny, and so we spend a lot of time together. So there's a lot of opportunity for a little bit of friction to take place. Um, so th but this guy, this was really funny. He didn't mean anything by it. He was just really touched. But he came up to me after the service. He was the worship leader at this church, and he said, 
I just, it just warmed my heart seeing you running up there. And I was like, wait, I thought that all eyes were supposed to be closed. <laughs> and every head was supposed to be bowed. <laughs> well, it's okay. It made him happy. <laughs> so, flash forward. I started going to the church more often and, and just soaking up everything I could and learning more and spent a lot of time learning that I was doing a lot of things wrong that I knew were wrong, um, but I was avoiding for a long time. So I started straightening myself out, started repenting a whole lot. I mean, every Sunday I was at the altar crying and apologizing. So, so then we get to winter time. It's the end of December, and the person who was going to chaperone the youth group um, got had to have an emergency surgery, and so they needed somebody to fill in, and they asked me. So that's how I got started with youth ministry. Um, so I went on this trip to Alabama, and we drove vans to Alabama. It was quite a long trip, kind of a big deal. At this conference that took place the three days leading up to the new year, um, a lot of different things happened. But what is most important from that is that I did receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I had a vision during worship amongst several. And one of these visions was where Jesus showed me the exact moment that I turned away from him when I was 12 years old. So I had stopped believing him because... I originally, as a child with my childlike faith, believed that anything was possible. I do still believe that, but the way I understand it now is different. So I believed anything was possible. I was an only child, and I didn't have anybody to play with to teach me how to play softball, but I joined the softball team. So. I'm in the yard, like, throwing the ball up and trying to catch it. Like, I mean, how am I learning? Like, I know exactly where I'm throwing the ball. I can catch it, of course. And so finally, I was like, all right, I'm putting the softball on the picnic table. I put the ball on the table, backed up. And I was like, okay, Dad, throw the ball. Talking to God. Okay, throw the ball. Okay, okay, throw the ball. Oh, come on, throw the ball. The ball did not move. So it was that moment that I started to go away from him. So then, here I am in this vision, and Christ shows me this and reminds me, I'd totally forgotten. But he says to me, I wanted to play ball with you. I want to play games with you, but not the games that you thought. And so he starts redeeming that moment and in the spirit realm I'm having a vision and Jesus and I are like tossing the ball back and forth and you know I'd throw it to him and he'd be like oh and he'd catch it like that and then he'd be like oh and he'd catch it like that and I'm like wow you know you're kind of showing off and he's like well <laughs> and he's like well I'm God you know I'm like yeah okay fair <laughs> fair <laughs> So he redeems this moment, and now we're laughing, we're having a great time, and the next thing I know, he opens a door. He just turns it, opens it. Inside this door is light, like blinding light pouring out of this room, and I know what it is. I know that the Father is there 
and I was scared. I was like, ah, no, thank you. And <laughs> Jesus said, go. And the second he said, go, I was in the father's arms. I was sitting on his lap. And then the next thing I know, I'm like this infant in his arms. And he's just holding me and he's looking at my face. And he's showing me all these moments in my life that he was there. And I didn't realize that he was there. And as he's showing me these pictures of my story, I can feel the emotions that he felt in these moments. And it was overwhelming overwhelming like waiting for my dad to come visit me because he was scheduled to come pick me up that day and he never came and I was waiting at the window like going out to the street just hoping to see him and I could feel the father's heart just breaking for me and saying I'm not like that and then when I won my swim meet because the, my other teammate and I, we were the top two on the, on the team, and she'd always beat me just by like, you know, she'd always beat me. I could never beat her. And I just wanted to win. I just wanted to win. And so one day, we're like racing. I'm breaststroke and fast as I can. And I see her right next to me. And then we're like, push, 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 push. And it was like, tap, tap. And I looked up, and my friends go, you won. And I was like, I won. Oh my gosh, no way. And, you know, and I could feel the Father so proud and so happy for me. And I could just feel this beaming Father. Same with graduating high school. He was, you know, I actually was our class president and stood at the podium and did all the jazz. And, you know, he was watching and he was proud and just expecting me to do great things with my life. And then just, just even my smiling face and how warm and how much love just beams out of him when we just make eye contact with him. And then there was a, a fight with my boyfriend where, you know, I was, I was cornered and he choked me and it, I was terrified. And he was there and I could feel his just burning rage to want to protect me and get me out of that situation. But it was so healing. And I knew that I was his daughter and that he was pleased with me. So the last day during that ministry time, a lot of people in the room received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. And for me, again, I know it's really different for other people. You can ask them their story and like it's, sometimes they're just totally by themselves and boom, there's the Holy Spirit. But for me, I was in a room full of people and it was dark and the music was loud and, and they, you know, I don't know, they threw water on us or something. I don't know, it was crazy. And it was a lot of fun, but you know, and so I was there. But what happened for me is that it was like an awakening out of my belly that of something that was ancient, that had always been there, just waiting to be activated. So like the water in my body that had covered the earth 
in the beginning recognizing and responding to its friend the holy spirit but it was it was so ancient it was like it was like and like the hawk was like coming out of me you know and i i'm not going to yell at the volume that i did in that moment because it was pretty intense um but yeah it was just like this guttural ancient just coming up out of me so that was my experience with receiving the baptism of the holy spirit and so i'm a big fan of um lights down during worship and ministry because i might do some weird things <laughs> And that's okay. I mean, if we can't be safe with the Holy Spirit and be a little weird sometimes, I don't know. So here's something really cool about water. You know, like the water in my body that had covered the earth in the beginning, so water has a memory. If we could get that slide about Dr. Masaru Emoto's experiments with water. So Dr. Emoto did some really cool experiments where if, you know, here's a bottle of water and he would write the word thank you on it or he would write the words you make me sick. And, you know, sometimes you would speak it over it, sometimes you would just write it. Um, sometimes you'd have a before and after prayer and things like that. Well, he would freeze the water after some time of exposure and then he could isolate the molecules and look at them underneath of a microscope. And that's what you get. So there's actually a big difference in good words and negative ones. Even look at the transformation of the polluted water before prayer and then the polluted water after prayer. So water transforms according to what is being exposed to. So when the spirit is influencing us and our behaviors and our things that we're thinking, and the word is filling us up, Amen. then we're transforming too. Because we're water, right? <laughs> So including experiencing a, a renewed mind and purification. So remember, our brain and our kidneys happen to be the ones with the most water content. I don't think that's an accident. All right, so how do we get there? We'll talk about being a little bit more practical now. So let's say you um, have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. These are a couple steps for you. Step one believe in Jesus excuse me John 14 11 says believe that I am in the father and the father in me at the very least believe that the works that I do in our father's name convince you and verse 12 says because he goes to the father so that if we steadfastly believe in Christ we will be able to do the things that he does. Jesus asks the Father to give us another comforter. Okay, step two. Love Jesus. Really love him. If you keep and obey his commands. 
then you're a follower. You're believing in him and you're loving him. Now step three is not our step to take. Jesus is the one who actually gives you the Holy I'm sorry, Jesus asks the Father to give you the Holy Spirit to remain in you forever. So John 14, 16 says, The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know and recognize him. But you know and recognize him for he lives with you constantly and will be in you. The Holy Spirit is the vessel that Jesus and the Father use to make their home with us. So you can't do this yourself. No amount of prayer, no amount of Bible study, no amount of repentance. And we do need to repent, but it's not our repentance that actually gives us the Holy Spirit. It's the Father. So one of the reasons that we need the Holy Spirit, in Luke 24, 49, Jesus says, And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. And that word power there is dunamis, which means strength, power, and ability. Inherent power. Power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature or by which a person exerts and puts forth. Which I thought that was pretty cool. Like, it actually says, power residing in, and the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Power for performing miracles, more power, and excellence of soul. So if we're struggling with sin, we really need the Holy Spirit to help us out. <laughs> power consisting in or resting upon armies, forces, or hosts. The hosts of heaven. Yes. Comforter, counselor, he's our helper, intercessor, and advocate, strengthener, and standby. The Father sends Holy Spirit in Jesus' name in his place to represent Jesus and to act on his behalf. He will teach you all things, and he will cause you to remember everything that Jesus tells us. It really is important for us to understand that a key here is to being a son or a daughter. Because we have to surrender to that truth before we can receive. Because the Spirit is for sons and daughters. So in John 20, 19 through 23, the disciples are hiding from the Jewish people that sought to harm them. And Jesus, after his resurrection, prior to the ascension, says, Peace be with you. He then shows him his hands and side and says again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And then he breathes on them says, receive the Holy Spirit. Peace to you. 
peace knowing that you are a father. I mean, that you are a child of God. <laughs> you could be a father if you're in this room too. All right. Not only does he breathe on them and say to receive the Holy Spirit, but he even empowers the disciples with the same authority that the Father had given him. He says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. But if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And I think that's key when we minister to others. Forgiveness is important. This is when the disciples are born again as this is just the same as the original creation of Adam, the breath of the spirit of life. So the Father's desire for you is this, that none should perish and that we would become his children. He wants to pour out his spirit on all sons and daughters. Christ is the firstborn son and in him we are made sons and daughters I'd like to invite you all to stand with me and also if the altar ministers could come forward your first time or your second or your third time asking the Lord for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He still sees you. He still wants this for you. But he's asking you to surrender and believe his child and if that's you I invite you to not wait another minute longer and confess that and just tell the Lord Father I have a hard time seeing you as dad my dad is really strict and I just don't see him giving me something worth nothing in return a good father in heaven who loves you and gives freely. Receive that truth today. Maybe you've never even said, yes, I do publicly declare that Christ Jesus is the son of God and he is my Lord and Savior and I want to know him and serve him for the rest of my life. If that's you, don't wait another minute longer. But just tell him, Jesus, I want to know you. Let me be born again. There are people up front who will pray with you. 
happy to walk alongside you in your journey. If you want to come on up, you're free to do so. There may be another group of people in this room who have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but you don't see it manifesting in your life. You can't seem to have peace in your spirit. You can't seem to stop worrying. You can't seem to stop wondering why you don't see miracles happen. You pray and you pray and you pray and you pray. And yet, it doesn't feel like you're heard. Perhaps there's oneness with the Father that you need. That you must surrender what you think about yourself and what you think you know about Jesus. And if that's you, don't wait another minute. Tell him. Just tell him. I'm sorry. I got it wrong. I'm, I'm not aligned with your will. I don't really believe that I am loved by you as a daughter, as a son. I don't know your goodness for myself. He's going to meet you there. Just let go, accept the truth, and receive the Holy Spirit. And Father, we thank you for your healing, redeeming, endless love. We thank you for your spirit of life, and we ask that we would be more and more connected day by day walking holy, reflecting you, and receiving your transformation power. In Jesus' name.